Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. I want you guys to turn with me to Nehemiah 8. And Nehemiah 8 and 5. That might be on the prompter. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed, blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with their hands, with their, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So today we're going to start with a story, a little sidetrack. And I want to talk a little bit about our backstory, Amanda and I. Amanda is the youth director, and uh, we've been coming here for about four years now. So a few years ago, uh, she and I were drifting. We didn't really think that we belonged in the church. Um, contrary to rumor, it's not always rainbows and sunshine for the Christian believer. Uh, <laughs> There was a time where we were firmly planted in a small church several years ago. We were very busy. We had a lot of responsibilities in the church, very connected interpersonally with a lot of the congregation, which means we were involved in a lot of people's lives. Jim, do you have the microphones muted up here? Okay. Maybe just pull the volume down some. And during this time, I'd begun to pray for wisdom and growth in wisdom. And really what I needed was a, a mentor. I needed someone to come beside me and just show me how to grow and, and how to study the word of God. And not realizing that weight of that prayer, God had started to move and make those changes happen for us. And to be honest, a lot of those events that happened took us to a place that we really felt exiled. We really felt like we were disconnected. And it's, it's interesting because, oddly enough, the Jews in Nehemiah were coming out of a 70-year exile. Nehemiah had remained in Susa, and he served his position as a cupbearer for the purpose of God's plan. And I want to use a commentary by Warren Wearsby to introduce him to you. Warren Wearsby writes that Nehemiah, a Jew, held such an important position in the palace speaks well of his character and ability. For nearly a century, the Jewish remnant had been back in their own land, and Nehemiah could have joined them, but he chose to remain in the palace. It turned out that God had a work for him to do that he could not have accomplished elsewhere. God put Nehemiah in Susa, just as he had put Esther there a generation before, and just as he had put Joseph in Egypt and Daniel in Babylon. God wants, when God wants to accomplish a work, he always prepares his workers and puts them in the right places at the right time. That last line really resonated with me. And it, it reminded me of Romans 8.28. And that should be a slide. But. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. So this morning we're going to read a lot in Nehemiah. And I ask you to get your markers ready and just kind of bear with me. It's a lot of reading from scripture. Um, it's my desire that you gain another view of worship and why we worship God. 
course, I'm the worship director, so we're going to talk about worship today. <laughs> so turn with me to Nehemiah 1 and 1. It's okay. I think I should just go to the cordless. Bear with us, guys. We're just having a little bit of technical difficulties. I'm going to go ahead and read Nehemiah 1 and 1. Now it happened in the month Chislev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some of the men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there is in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before God. Of heaven, I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. His posture is absolutely beautiful. This is a man who finds solace in the word of God. He finds comfort in God. And he shows us how we should act in a time of great distress and need. He instantly goes to prayer. He instantly goes to fasting. And in verse 6, he, he goes on, Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am saying before you now, day and night, and on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which have, been, have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moses. See, Amanda and I, wow. Amanda and I, we lost touch with the presence of God. We often wondered when that time of um, drought would end in our lives. And it actually came to a point where I put it in my calendar. I actually just put a little notation. I, I use my calendar as kind of a journal. I, I like to go back through and look at my year. And it says simply, church or not. I was going to climb off the fence and make a choice whether to be in church or not be in church. And to be honest, the hurt that we had endured was devastating. It was hard to bear alone. And our prayers had become more doubt and more questions. And they started to become very bitter. Reading verse 5 and 6 is like a punch in the gut because 70 years of exile and Nehemiah falls to the ground and prays. It's, it's our first look at the word worship. The primary word in the Hebrew language for worship is shachah. Anybody say that with me? Shachah. <laughs> I know why Nathan does that. It's funny. <laughs> shachah. To depress, bow down, crouch, fall down, humbly beseech, do obeisance, do reverence, make to stoop, worship. And if you're like me and you're going, what's obeisance? Obeisance is a movement of the body expressing deep respect of differential courtesy as before a superior. One more time. Verse 7. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. 
it's important to hear the words that Nehemiah is saying. He's not saying they broke the rules. They did this. They had the transgression. He includes himself in the transgression. He's, he's wise to think of himself as a sinner as, as well as the rest of his people. So there's no excuse for Nehemiah, and that's why he goes straight to prayer. Verse 8, remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the remote, most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Keep a place mark right here. Reminding himself of God's promise, we see an understanding of God's word. We see something that most people miss, and that's the promise and the way that it's written. There's two sides of a coin. When you, when you flip heads or tails, heads or tails are going to land. And the thing is with this commandment is there's two sides of this promise. Run from me and you'll find exile. Come to me and you'll find restoration. And I think the, both sides of this if-then argument are very important to pay attention to because we fall victim to uh, those prayers that Amanda and I are having, you know, doubts kind of sneaks in on you. So now we have a man that's in prayer. He's in communion with God. He delights in reverence of God. He's about to go on a journey that will test his integrity. And on the contrary, Amanda and I were getting worse. We were falling away farther. We, we lost ourselves to selfish ambitions, agendas, and to be honest, we let our faith be slighted. Nehemiah takes the chance and trusts God, and he receives the, king of the, ble- uh, the blessing of the king. The king gives him lumber and escort supplies, and we see a demonstration where fasting and prayer and seeking God's will, shaka, brings opportunity. And then what happens? What happens when anyone in ministry steps out to do something? Can anybody? I mean... Every time you step out to do something for God, it seems like the adversary wants to cut you off at the pass. So in Nehemiah 4, jump over to Nehemiah 4 with me. Verse 1. Now it came about that when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria, and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the rubble, dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and said, Even what they are building, if a, a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone walls down. People have to run their mouth. It just seems like Every time you turn around, somebody's got to talk about you, right? Sometimes, sometimes words hurt more than sticks and stones, and they cut deep. And you guys know that deep wounds are prone to infection. So for us as Christians, fear, doubt, hatred, lack of faith, those are the infections that we have to pay attention to. We have to make sure that we fight those off. 
So Nehemiah does something again that's remarkable because myself, I, I failed at this horribly. He goes back to prayer, verse 4. Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. Pretty rough prayer. Verse 6. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to, its half, to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. For the people had a mind to work. You get on the wall, and you start building. Stop looking around for somebody to approve. Stop looking over your shoulder for somebody that's backbiting on you. Just get on the wall and start to build. People came out in droves to tell Amanda and I that we weren't qualified. People that we thought loved us, people that we trusted. It just, it's just how people are. Sometimes they can't help themselves. This is why Shaka is so important. This is why fasting and praying and being in God's word is so very important. We have to get to a quiet place to hear his voice. We have to turn off Facebook. We have to turn off Twitter. Shut the grams off. Get to where it's just quiet, just you and him. And in times of turmoil, that's hard to do. It's be still and know that I'm God. It's very hard to do. <clears throat> I look at this and I think about how many times the church, you know, there's leadership, there's people that work in the church, and they're, they're fighting their battles every day yet they're, they're still building on that wall. In verse 17, it says this, those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other hand holding a weapon. That's powerful. It's powerful because we all fight our own battles every day. So I got a little rabbit trail. Amanda and I didn't have Nehemiah praying and beseeching God on our behalf. And we began to, to sink into this dark place very, very quickly. We lost, uh, we lost sight of the value of worship. We started to replace church schedules with sports, barbecues, movies, drinking. We, we have a word for that in the Pentecostal church. It's called backslid. <laughs> we backslid all the way back to the bench. We weren't even at bat no more. And... Uh, we realized, you know, our kids were starting to suffer. They, up to three years prior to that, they would sit down and ask if we knew Jesus. And it was to the point where we had to fight them to get out of bed to come to church. And that's when our eyes were kind of opened that something's got to change. Something needs to really happen here. So we were driving down 125, and my eye was drawn to an orange and white sign. And I just, I looked at a man, and I said, we should check that out this Sunday. Okay, sure. So that Sunday we walk in here, we sit down for the first sermon, and the sermon that I listened to just wrecked me. Like, I haven't cried that much during a sermon in a long time, and it just absolutely wrecked me. So I'll tell you that you need community in your life. Um, that scripture that Allison read this morning was, was right on par. We, we can't forsake the gathering of the brethren. It's just we need community in our lives. So, remembering Romans 8.28, 
You see, God started this journey, and we got all puffed up thinking it was about us. And I'll tell you now, uh, we learned a hard lesson that it wasn't just about us. <laughs> so back to Nehemiah. By the end of chapter 6, the enemies were afraid of them. And by the end of chapter 7, Nehemiah holds a census and all the people that belong to Israel are settled back in. This is the completion of God's promise. Back to Nehemiah 1 and 9. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though those of you who were scattered were in the most remote parts of the heaven, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. So at the start of 2017, a year and nine months and some days ago, that's the day that I put the uh, notation in my calendar, church or not. Um, we lost value in community. We lost value in worship. Kids were fading. And that first trip here four years ago, we got a drink from the well. And that put a crack in the soil. Um, we began the restorative process on that day. And I will tell you, the restorative process takes as long as it takes. Um, for the first time in years, we both fell to the ground and just realized how much God loved us, how much he will move to get to us. And I can't go into details for you guys, but, and I don't want to be vague, but he will move mountains for you, even if it hurts you, even if it hurts you. <clears throat> so I say fight your battles and do the work set before you. For the past few months, we've been learning that our strength comes from the word of God. And we read scripture for the revelation of the word, and we understand the word more and more every time we read it. And that is for the purpose of building our arsenal against a very real adversary. And that's how we protect ourselves from infection. So I want to go back. I want to go to chapter 8 of Nehemiah. So we have seven chapters of, of learning of God's word, of fixing prom, problems with, within the church. We have seven chapters and we land in the seventh month of the year. This is the Jewish equivalent of a new year. It's a time of celebration. <clears throat> so in Nehemiah 8, verse 1, and all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given, us, given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen and understanding on the first day of the seventh month, he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So they read the book of Moses. It took half a day at least, and they all stood the whole time. So next service, we're all going to stand. <laughs> the whole service. Nathan will be happy. Yeah, sure. Verse 5. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. No singing, 
No music. This is rough for me. <laughs> no sound. They simply just read the book of, of the law, and it moved them to worship. And I asked myself, why, why do we miss this? Why, why can't the church just kind of grasp this, read the book, and just worship God like this? And for me, it's because I don't keep God in the right view. I, I don't look at him in these situations of my life as a God who keeps his promises both sides of the coin. The people of Nehemiah realized what they had been through, and they realized that he kept his promise that when they returned to him, no matter how far away they got, he restored them. When you view God in that way, the situations in your life are not so heavy. So, Amanda and I are at the risk of losing our kids. We're at the risk of losing our marriage because of hurt feelings, because we just took off. And we needed to get to a place where we saw the restoration process in our lives. So I have one final point, and then we'll dismiss. Mentioned in verse 1 and 3, both verse 1 and 3, all the people were gathered and and what listened in front of the, all the people gathered to listen to the word of God in front of the water gate. Water is a universal symbol in the Bible for cleansing the soul and, and washing away our sins. But it's interesting because they're standing in front of the water gate listening to the word of God and it's just, it's bringing them revelation and, and they're set free of a lot of past transgressions. That's something to worship the Lord about. So I said earlier, Amanda and I didn't have Nehemiah to pray on our behalf. And that's true. We didn't really have many people, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they were praying for us, friends. But someone was there the whole time. Someone was there in the darkest places. Someone was there praying the way we ought to pray and for the things that we had no idea we needed praying for. And I'll go to John 16 and 7. But I tell you the truth, this is Jesus talking to us. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, Jesus paid the ultimate price for our salvation. In doing so, upon our surrender to him, we receive the Holy Spirit. That is our helper. The God of the universe has spoken over all of our lives. He has said, turn from him and find exile. But the moment you turn to him, restoration begins. It's very important to hear this. Restoration began after Nehemiah humbled himself and prayed. All through the journey, the people of God found mistakes, and they, they fixed those mistakes to honor the Father. It's worth remembering, and go back to chapter 1, verse 9, one more time. I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. The final piece with Jesus in our lives, where does God choose to dwell? It's right here. He's with us right here. 
to the person that may not be saved, we didn't decide to change and then transformed. We humbled ourselves and we prayed and God started walking beside us to help in that transformation of our lives. We're not perfected before we start. Those of you who struggle with, with life choices and hardships, know that God is waiting for you to turn to him. Know that he has a promise that he's given you and he will honor that promise. Shaka. Remember to pray. Remember to, to humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. You guys have heard the adage, the teacher is always silent during the test. And I'll tell you, we have an open book policy with this test. Turn to someone and say, God is good. Heavenly Father, I just I want to thank you today for this wonderful day we've had, Father. I believe that the opportunities that you give us are magnificent promises that have come to light, Lord. Lord, I ask that the word goes forward today and it takes root so that it might bear fruit. I ask that you keep everyone and their family safe this week. Go with those prayer needs that we lift up to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.